0: So, we are launching in a new series here, and um, i am i 'm very aware that you have a lot going on in your life and i don 't know why i 've sensed this morning that there 's just a lot going on in a lot of people 's lives and i 'm grateful that you 're here and I hope some things that are said today or maybe it 's already been taken care of and and you feel better connected to the lord and 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 his presence in your life, and that you've already been glad that you were in the house of the Lord this morning. And I am, i am that's my prayer for you, is that you leave here and be like, man, I needed that, that helps me with some things in my life, and let's go again next week. And I really want this to be something that's meaningful to you. And so as we jump into this new series, it's only going to be three weeks long, it's called Reboot. And the, the the thought is that here we have, you know, summer's over. And that just hurt me to say that a little bit. But like we're we're getting into the fall now. Kids are back in school. We're getting into some rhythms. We. Uh, most of our vacations are probably over with and I think that because we're getting back into the rhythm of life what I'd like to do is I'd like to speak into what that rhythm needs to look like a little bit. I'd like to kind of Create a little aha moment for you today. Like, like, okay, this is what my life needs to be like. This is what God's viewpoint is for the life that I am living. So, we're gonna go into this three week series and we're gonna cover three different words. The first one is review, and that's what we're gonna cover today. We're, we're gonna look back just a little bit, maybe just our immediate past. How'd our summer go? How has this year been so far? Maybe you need to go a little bit further back than that. Like, what track am I actually on here? I'm a churchgoer, but I'm not a Jesus follower. Like, I love to sing about God having control of my life, but he doesn't have the reins. I mean, like, I don't know how far back you need to go, but we're going to kind of review a little bit. In the next week, we're going to be rethinking some things, and then we're going to hit the restart button on the third week. So, what I'm hoping that is accomplished is that there's a few aha moments for you this series and that it helps gain direction and kind of helps you establish a rhythm for you and your family that is something that's God-honoring and that just does you a lot of good. Just as a side note, October 19th is Evaluate Your Life Day. Put it on your calendar so you have until then. But the idea is like, okay, so someone actually thought it would be a good idea to have a day where we just evaluate our life. And October 19th, I guess, was as good as any. It's a Thursday, which is a weird day. But anyway, so what is your story? Like, what is your faith journey? What does it look like? When did you meet Jesus? and then what has life been since then so it's so i want to get away from the idea of a bunch of check boxes i want to get into i got i like the idea of more of relationships so like you you started this relationship with jesus at some point in your life and then what does that relationship how has that grown into like with 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 my with my wife we've been married 28 years um and and i don't feel like there's this there's this expectation of me doing things for her and checking, like she doesn't leave me a list on the refrigerator and I check everything off in the morning. Because in my family, here's what would happen to that. I'm just, that's the way it is. I mean, if I, that's what would happen. So that doesn't work in my relationship with my wife. And can I be honest with you? That's how it would be if I left her a list. I just got a little sick in my stomach right there just just thinking what that would be like, right? So that doesn't work relationally with human relationships. Why do we go there with our relationships with the Lord? Right? So like what, if if that doesn't work, okay, all right, check, I'm in church. Check, I put something in the offering. Check, I sang just like everybody else around me. Okay, check. That's not what we're looking for here. So when I say, let's take a look at our life, like how are you doing spiritually, I'm not saying, are you giving more money than you did last year? Have you attended more faithfully than did you? Although I think those are great markers, and I'm, I'm not a, I think you should be growing in different areas of your life. I think your family ought to be closer, but it's not like you count how many hugs you give your kids every day. So if we're in relationship with Christ, How do you measure that? How do you quantify what growth looks like? So, when did your relationship begin? How is the progress coming along? Do you feel closer? Is he able to communicate with you in such a way that you respond and you're like, okay, I got it. All right, that needs to change. All right, I see that. Are you better? Is your relationship deeper? Does my life reflect the relationship that I enjoy? So it just seems like a good time of year with with us changing seasons here to kind of review a little bit about where we've come from. So Solomon, purportedly the wisest man that ever lived, he becomes the third king in Israel. And he feels ill-equipped for the job. So, so God comes to him basically and says, how can I help you lead this kingdom? And Solomon says, you know what, God, I need wisdom. I barely know how to put on my pajamas. I need, I need wisdom. That's really like what he said. He's like how I cannot fathom leading a, a nation When I'm such a young guy, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And God was so pleased by his humility that God says, all right, Solomon, not only am I going to give you my wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else you didn't ask for. And Solomon had a phenomenal life. And he wrote the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, by the way, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You could read one chapter a day and read through the book of Proverbs every single month, and it would do you a lot of good. There are just, and they're all very succinct, like very it's a lot harder to say that word than the word actually is. It's a very succinct verses, like this verse is pretty well encapsulated, and that's that's that thought, and then you go on to the next thought. But I mean, and, and when you read through the book of Proverbs, it just gives you perspective on what your life needs to look like. So Solomon wrote down, and there was a couple other contributors, but he collected this this uh this this book of Proverbs, like things to, the, one, of the, one of the things he said was the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Man, what, you could spend a lifetime on that. The fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. I mean, that's where it all starts. Because I, I my favorite definition for wisdom is looking at life from God's point of view. So if I want to look at life from God's point of view, God, how do you see my life playing out? What would be your priorities for my life? How should my relationships be? If that's the kind of relation, like, like I want God, that's, that's wisdom. So however that, whatever responses I get and whatever I implement, that's wisdom right there. So the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But he also wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is just this collection of his life journey trying to satisfy himself with everything he can get a hold of. And look what he said here in the first couple of verses here. He says, vanity of vanities. Now, that, that word vanity just means complete emptiness. Like there's absolutely nothing to it. He said, vanity of van- vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And then how, what a discouraging statement. What profit has a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? Like when it's all, and you can't work anymore. And you've worked your whole life. And you're at the end of your life, you look back on it, and here's what Solomon says. What profit was any of that? And he says this, one generation, passes away and another generation comes but the earth abides forever all your stuff stays here wow thanks for the help appreciate that solomon you're the wisest man that ever lived that's the best you could do you're the wisest man that ever lived i looked up just because i'm a geek his net worth was was purported to be 2.2 trillion dollars That's more money than I'm making a year. (laughs) Two point two trillion dollars. Oh my word. He had seven hundred wives. Here comes that sick feeling again. That means he had seven hundred mother in laws. He had 300 concubines. Are you kidding me? That's as far as we're going. But it's like there is, he is—he—he experienced as much as you possibly could. He, if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a great read because it, he just goes, this is everything I've tried in my life. I have tried everything. There was, he actually said this, there is nothing at all, I withheld from myself. Wow. Like money was no object. There is nothing I withheld from myself. And he gets to the end of his life, and here's what he says it's all empty. It's all empty. You die. All your stuff stays here, and then another generation comes up. Not very encouraging. But in his review of his life, that was the conclusion. Now, there's there's something to keep in mind here. So the book of Proverbs was the type of reasoning where it just puts it right out there and you learn the lesson because it's very clear and, and, and well stated. In the book of Ecclesiastes, you learn the lesson just the opposite way. So the truth at the end of the book is what comes out after you read the whole book. So here's the last two verses. So he does this reasoning where he shows you all of his frustration, but then you come to this incredible conclusion. He says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The end. That's the end of the book of of Ecclesiastes. So he starts off saying, everything's vanity. And then he spends 12 chapters telling you everything he did to bring himself happiness. And he gets to the end of all of his human effort to try and bring happiness into his life. Buying that car, living in that house, getting that promotion going on that vacation everything he could think of to do he did not withhold anything from himself and he gets to the end of it all and he says let me tell you what the whole conclusion is this is my this, here's here's the here's the summation of my entire life the wisest man that ever lived fear god and keep his commandments so here we are at a new season of the year literally and figuratively And we're getting our lives back into rhythm. So here's the big question. How does my life compare to the life God envisions me to have? And I know that's a loaded question, right? Because it's like, how could I ever live up to that? But to me, it is a great way to frame a conversation. So I think we need to go here. I think we need, I think it's just a good time. So I'm going to review my life a little bit. Maybe you're just going to go back over this summer. Maybe you're going to go back to the beginning of the year, maybe you're going to go back to your recent future, I don't know, but how does the life that I'm living right now, how does my life compare to the life that God envisions me to have? That's wisdom. Does my my life look more like Ecclesiastes chapter 1 or does it look more like Ecclesiastes chapter 12? So I want to encourage you before you move on into this new season of life. That you take a moment to review. So, let me give you three essential actions for life review. The first one is this take time to reflect and listen. Now, boy, that, that, I know that seems so passive, but that's the most difficult thing in my whole sermon. We love busyness, but we need to pause. Let me tell you how hard it is. My challenge to you this week is to take five minutes every day and do nothing. I heard that, right? I mean, nothing. Your phone is not even near you. Five minutes to just sit there and breathe and be. I think it's probably the hardest thing for us to do because busyness means importance if I tell you I'm really busy it makes me sound like I'm an important person I'm just I'm yeah oh how's God oh man busy man busy a lot of people need me I'm busy we're busy and we are so busy that we we don't We can't imagine doing nothing for even five minutes. Pause. Mark chapter 6, verses 31 and 32. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. I love this, and rest a while. Now that word rest is not like it's not like go to sleep rest. Here's what it actually is it means to cease movement. to be quiet. Cease movement, stop. So Jesus tells his disciples, let's go into a desert place and let's stop and be quiet. Let's just rest. And then he says, for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure. I love that. They had no room to breathe so much as to eat And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. I believe this. I believe sometimes in life we just need to hit the pause button. Pause. It's going to stop. Sometimes in life we need to hit the pause button. I'm just done for right now. That's all I'm doing. I need five minutes. And I don't mean meditatively necessarily. But I do think it's important that you just pause, listen to yourself, breathe, and just take a break. Jesus recognized this. He often was seen slipping away just to spend time alone with him and his God, his Father. The psalmist David said in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I love the order there. Be still and know like the knowing came after the be stilling i don't know what that if that's even correct but he was still and then he knew there's like this order there be still and know that i am god and i believe this i believe that if we take the time by the way that word there's this there's this idea with the way that this verse is constructed that The be stilling is causing the knowing. Isn't that beautiful? Like, Like you need to be still, and that being still will cause you to know. I don't know what that terminology is, but that's what it means. Like the being still is the causing to know. I love that. It's almost like the knowing won't happen without the being still. So, so, so that's what I'm saying. This is a big deal. And if that's all that you get out of this message, I'd be pretty happy that you would actually take five minutes out of your day and just breathe and just commune with the Lord. You're not trying to get anything out of him. You just want to be with him. And you just want him to speak into your life. I think that'd be a beautiful thing if That's all we got out of this message. And as we are looking to review what our life looks like before we rethink and we restart, and we just take a look, it's gonna, you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to pause. You're going to have to be alone. Just you in a chair, nothing around you, and reflect. And then after you have taken the time to do that, I think another action that would be most helpful to you is to honestly look at your life from God's point of view. And I think this was an intentionally worded point, honestly look at your life from God's point of view. So how has your year been so far? How did your summer turn out? Did you spend the time you wanted to with your family? Did you make strides financially? Do you feel like you're still on the hamster wheel of life? You're working really hard, but you feel like you're in exactly the same place as you did six months ago. Are you actually making progress financially? Are you actually making progress relationally or spiritually? Do you feel like you're getting somewhere, like you're making some traction here? You're you're actually making progress. You're not just busy doing stuff. How does God so I'm gonna honestly stop and take a look at my life? We have a hard time being honest with ourselves. but honesty is so critical in our relationship with the Lord because he already knows. He already knows your thought life. He already knows your desires. He already knows what your goals are. So taking the time to just pause and spend time with him and and, and gain his direction, and just honesty ought to be a natural outpouring of that. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms 51, verse 6. He says this, you desire truth in the inward parts like when we dig down deep inside of you and the smiles are gone and the back slaps are gone and what we want everyone to think about us is taken off and in the closet and we're just who we are before God. He wants to know that you know that he knows who you are, honesty. And I don't know what's in your past, I know some of your stories, but most of you I don't. And, folks, there's a lot of stuff back there that messes with who you are today. And it can be recent stuff like just this week. It can be stuff from when you were a teenager. But I know this, that we carry around baggage. And some people just live back there, and that's all they ever think about. And their past is what actually defines who they are today. And there are people who lie about the past and pretend it didn't happen. Neither of those are healthy. But you are God. Here's the truth. God doesn't dwell in the past, and neither should you. God's ready to move on. God's ready to heal. God is ready to to do a good work in your life. God is not living in your past regretting mistakes that you made. God is past that. God is right here. Now, that that helped form who you are today, and that happened, and it had an impact positively or negatively, but that is in the past. You're not the star quarterback anymore. Sorry, Rob. You're not, you're not those glory days. You're that, okay, you're not what happened to you. God's not dwelling in your past. You need to take an honest look about who you are right now. This is the list that I crumpled up earlier. It seemed much better to use it as an illustration until I remembered that I needed it. Which is kind of the same way that it would happen with a list that she makes for me. Here, let me tell you a little bit about yourself. I jotted a few things down here just from Scripture. And I can give this to you if you want to email me, and I'll give you the scripture that goes along with it. You are a child of God. You are a branch of the true vine of Jesus Christ. You are a friend of Jesus. You are justified and redeemed. You are crucified with Christ, and you are no longer a slave to sin. You stand uncondemned before God. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You are a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. You are accepted by Christ. You are a saint. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which dwells in you. You are a new creature in Christ. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been set free in Christ. You are no longer a slave but a child and an heir. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless before God. You are redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. You have been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. You are God's workmanship created to produce good works. You, are in dark, you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. You are a citizen of heaven. You have been made complete in Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have been chosen of God, and you are holy and beloved, and you are loved and chosen by God. That's who you are. And that's who God sees you as. So your past happened. Your past is the past. And God is more concerned with who you are right now. So yeah, God doesn't dwell in your past, and neither should you. But God does have an opinion about your life right now. And however that affects who you are, let's work on that. Let's walk through that together. But understand that God knows that happened. And I don't know why it happened. But this is where we are right now. So how does my life look now from his perspective? (laughs) So what is working for you and what's not, right? What needs to change? Be honest about where you are and what God's point of view is. And lastly, thirdly. Be willing to learn and respond. For some of you, this is probably the hardest part. Because some of us are very opinionated about life. And we don't have what I believe one of the most important key ingredients for growth, and that is teachability. I think that one of the key ingredients for growth in life is teachability. I mean, now there are some things in your life that should never change. I get that. But there's a lot in your life that you have an opinion about based on irrelevant facts or things that just aren't a part of who you are. How many of you had a bag phone? What? There's like four of us? Do you know what a bag phone is? like... A bag phone. I'm telling you, what's so funny is like the young people are going, a phone and a bag? Why? A bag phone, yeah. It was a phone that was about that big that went into a cradle in this case that had Velcro on it, and it had a strap that went over your shoulder and you carried it around with you. And you could put it in your car, plug it into your lighter. It was a bag phone. That's what we called it. And you were all that. You had money growing out your ears if you owned a bag phone or your work paid for it. A bag phone. You try and talk to somebody now, but that's irrelevant information. This is like stronger than the first computer I ever bought. I'm serious. Like, I remember buying my first home computer from Dell. I financed it. <laughs> I financed our home computer. Dial up. Oh, God help us. <laughs> that, that horrible sound dialing up. You're waiting for a picture to load. You're guessing what it's going to look like. Come on. We are so much. That is such irrelevant information now. And so are so many of your opinions. Like I'm waiting for them to load. They're a load of something. But we have to be teachable. Teachable. Like what if God told you in and your and you're time with him and you're looking at life from your perspective that what you thought is not really true or maybe that idea that you had was really cool then but it's really stupid now. Are we willing to learn And respond, and let me tell you, the older I am, the harder that is, because I'm just so used to being right about everything. It's just, (laughs) it's, it it is, it's like, and and it's, I'm, I'm kind of of that age where it's like, change is not very easy. But as I'm looking at my life, and I'm thinking. There are, there are things that are incredibly important. There's no doubt about it. And there are, there are rock bed beliefs that just should never change. But there's a lot of my life that, wow, okay, I see that. Okay, I'm good with that. Are we willing to learn and respond? So consider this. You have a God who loves you. You have a Savior who died for you and you have a Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. You have what it takes to not only discover what God's plan for your life is, but you also, you also have the ability to carry it out. Just jot down Philippians 2.13. We don't have time to, to look it up, but Philippians 2.13. That God will will and do of his good pleasure. Like he puts in you not just the ability to accomplish what he tells you to do. He wills it like he can make it happen in your life, but we have to be willing to learn and respond. Too many of us live our lives as though God has no opinion about how we're living our lives. Craig Rochelle is a pastor, and he wrote a book called Christian Atheist. Right. It's a great book written by a pastor. He says a Christian atheist is this, someone who believes in God but lives as though he doesn't exist. Christian atheist. He goes on to say in the preface of his book, he writes this, he says, as much as I don't want to admit it, I see this kind of atheism in my own self. People might assume that a pastor wouldn't struggle with any form of atheism, but I certainly do. Sadly, Christian atheism is everywhere There has to be a better way to live. And this idea that we are saved, and we have this relationship with God, but that it doesn't affect any part of our life, it should. It should change how we view life because God does have an opinion. So here's your homework for this week, and I mean it. I mean it. This is your homework. I put this in your like notes. There's four questions I want you to answer for yourself this week. What should be the most important things in my life? I think, give me at least three, at least three things. So when you, when you pause and you are by yourself and it's just you and God, I want you to write down three of the most important things. What should be the three most important things in your life? You ought to be able to knock off a couple of them pretty quick. What should be the most important things in your life? And then the next question is, where are these in my weekly schedule? Put them in there. Where are these in my weekly schedule? And then what's working? Like what what about my relationship with the Lord is working right now? Got a great thing going with my wife. God's blessed my family. Things are going well at work. I'm serving the Lord. We're giving. It's just, I feel like, so what is working? Jot down what you feel you're in stride with. You've got this. All right? And then what do you need to change? So of all the things that you think should be important to you, and where are they in your weekly schedule, there's going to be things that you're like, okay, yeah, I really need to work on that. What do I need to change? That's your homework for this week. That's our review. So we're looking, we're looking in review. So next week, we're going to talk about rethinking our lives, and then the following week, we're going to do the restart. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we are anxious to become who you want us to be, and I don't for a second believe or think that, that you're done with us as individuals. I think that we have still growth that needs to take place in our lives, and I am excited for where we are headed individually, like what you have for us in our lives and help us to take the time to hear from you and to be willing to change and to look at our lives from your point of view. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.